Well, good morning, everyone. It is great to be with you this morning. Uh, Thank you for being here and uh, for taking time out of your day to worship the Lord. You know, that's a great question, isn't it? It's an amazing question. What does the work of the Holy Spirit? In fact, we're going to ask that question, and hopefully, to the best of my ability, I'm going to try and answer it a little bit, although uh, I feel a little intimidated, and so one of the reasons why I have this picture here to begin my slides is kind of a reminder of what we're doing here today. I feel like I'm a guide, okay, and I'm, a, I'm at the top of the peak, at the very top, and I'm trying to say, here's the Holy Spirit, right? And ba- maybe at the best, we're, we're getting kind of a picture of the surface of things, but the reality is so much bigger. And, you know, and I think all of us as teachers over the course of this summer have felt that way. It's like, Wow, how do you describe Father, Son, Holy Spirit? I mean, you use words, you use kind of metaphors, anecdotal stories. I mean, all these images, you try to describe something that's really indescribable. And so that's what we're going to do today. I'm going to try to describe using Scripture and just some anecdotal stories and share with you what I think the Holy Spirit does. And I want to use three kind of big themes for us today. So if you walk out of here with those three things, that will be a win for me, okay? But I want to start us in John chapter 14. So context creates meaning, and so you need to understand the context of what Jesus is doing here in these chapters. This is where we began this whole series. We started in the book of John, and uh, I want to close us in this series, or at least uh, talking about the Spirit today, by going back to the book of John, John chapter 14. It's part of these group of chapters in, in John, from John 13 to John 17. Jesus is really preparing his disciples for his absence. And he's modeling certain things, he's explaining th- certain things, he's telling them, hey, you gotta remember this, I want you to know this. This is, this is important for you to know. And anyone who's ever been with someone maybe about to die, understands that there's a a certain level of urgency about this section of Scripture, in my opinion. Because Jesus is going to be arrested and then ultimately crucified. And so this is really one of the last times he is with his disciples, and he's trying to explain this. So you need to remember this. And this is what he says in John chapter 14, verse 26. He says, but the advocate, that is the paraclete, And for our purpose, advocate simply is the one sent to help. The one who is sent to help, okay? Keep that in mind. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So the Spirit reminds, the Spirit teaches, and that's such a huge deal. So Jesus is going away. He's saying, look, I'm going to send you a friend, an advocate, one who will help you remember, will, will teach you and remind you of the things that I taught you. That's a huge deal, especially as the disciples go about their, their deal. They start telling the stories of Jesus. Eventually, they write down the stories of Jesus in the Gospels and the other writings of the New Testament. But then a chapter later, in chapter 15, verse 26, it says there that when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. So I testify to the Spirit, and in effect, the Spirit will testify about me, and you must also testify, is what he ends up saying in the next verse. 
So there's this sort of rhythm and flow. So what is it that the Holy Spirit does? Well, one of the major themes and one of the things that I want you to remember is this, that the Holy Spirit actually reveals things. The Holy Spirit kind of uncovers things. There's this idea of revelation, this, this inspiring, this revealing. And so the question is, what is the Holy Spirit trying to reveal? Well, he's trying to remind his disciples of, of the stories that he said and the teachings that he has. He, he teaches us, and he testifies about God. He reminds us, okay? So one of the things that he reveals, I'm convinced, and one of the most important things that he reveals is this. He reveals who we are. He reveals our identity. So in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, it says this. It simply says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to reveal, and what does he reveal? He reveals in us who's we, who we are. He goes around saying, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine. You're mine. That's a huge deal. Now, I grew up, and some of you know my story, I, I grew up in a very Christian environment. I mean, I joke because my parents, you know, I mean, every time the lights were on, it's like we were at church, right? That, that was just the rhythm of our family. We did that. We grew up in that kind of environment, and whenever the church had something, it seemed like we were a part of it. Now, that was a great environment to grow up in, but I will tell you, as a young child, and even into my, my young adulthood, I had this sort of weird kind of fear, or like, how do I know I, I'm, I'm Jesus, how, His? How do I know I'm His? How, how do I know, do I have this assurance of my salvation? And, you know, and so, sort of every youth group retreat, and every time that there was sort of this invitation for a commitment, it's like, I was the one raising the hand or going forward. It's like I had, had this insecurity. I wasn't sure about my salvation. You ever been there? You ever wonder? Is this true? Is this real? And then when I was actually 15, almost 16 years old, I made a decision that I would go before the elders of our church, and I would go in front of them and declare my faith and my trust in Jesus. And it's something happened in me. It's like I spoke something into existence. It's like my spirit said, this is who I am. And it was like the spirit of God said to me, yes, you are. And in fact, I think that's exactly what some people did last week when we had baptisms. We had baptisms in Grundy Center at the, at the municipal pool. It was awesome. We had a fun time there. And we had baptisms at, at the Tenson's pool. You know what those folks were doing? They were declaring publicly, saying, I am Jesus. I belong to him. And in that, I believe the Spirit comes and says, you know what? Yes, you do. You can be sure. And then a friend of mine pointed me to another scripture in 1 John 5. He said, hey, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son, it says. He who has a Son has life. I'm like, yes, it's so clear. Do you have Jesus? Then you have life. You're his. 
your, your spirit and his spirit sort of connect. That's an incredible revelation. It's like we need to know who we are, and as we know who we are, I think God gives us a hunger to know him even more, to have more understanding of who he is. And so as the Spirit reveals who we are, he gives us longing to know him at a deeper level, I believe. And I think you thought about that. So where do you and I go for information? St. Google, right? I mean, it's like, where do we go today? Where do we go? We go to the interwebs. We go to the internet. We go to Google. I call St. Google because it saved me so many times. That's where we go. And in some ways, I'm convinced that the Spirit acts like this amazing search engine to help us understand who God is. Things that are already true, but we don't fully understand, and the Spirit helps us understand them. In fact, that's exactly what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2. Listen to these verses. Well, let me just say this. If, if you and I are not the only ones who, who use Google, okay? I, I just got to give these, these statistics. 63,000 times a second, somebody's searching something on Google. 5.6 billion searches per day. Can you imagine that? It's amazing. But this is, this is what the Apostle Paul wrote about God and, and about the Spirit. The Spirit's like the ultimate search engine. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived. He's quoting the Old Testament. The things God has prepared for those who love Him. These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. So God gives us an understanding of who we are. He gives us this longing to know Him, and He says, look, I will help you understand God. The Spirit reveals things. So when you go to the Scripture, a simple prayer is simply to say, God, help me understand this. And it is amazing when we take time to pause and reflect and simply invite the Spirit of God to be with us, it is amazing how something connects or a new insight comes or a deeper understanding is there. The Spirit reveals. Now, the Spirit reveals who we are. He, he teaches us about God, but He also reveals, I'm convinced, as we learn about who God is, He reveals how we are to live in God's ways. He teaches us that we are to walk in the Spirit, that we are to be led by the Spirit. It's over and over again in Scripture. We're to be led by the Spirit of God, to be walking with Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that teaches us how to live this life that God wants us to live. Again, the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 5, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. 
they are in conflict with each other. So you're not to do whatever you want, but you are to be led by the Spirit. And when you're led by the Spirit, you're not under law. In fact, you go to a deeper level of understanding. It's like the law of God is written on your heart. You're just pursuing the things of God. As we understand who we are, we're we're getting to know God. We're also learning. He's revealing to us how He wants us to live. And it's not a mystery, friends. He, He wants us to know Him. So, big idea. The Holy Spirit reveals. Okay, second big idea. The Holy Spirit messes with us. I'll use a different word. The Holy Spirit intervenes. Now, I kind of like the word mess because it's true. It kind of messes with us about what we think is right or, you know, our attitudes or the direction that we're going. Sometimes the Spirit just messes with us. I have a good friend who came out of a, a life of addiction and uh, just a wild man in his whole life, and then God radically changed him. And he started working with others in chemical addiction and started his own uh, recovery ministry, and um, it, it's just a powerful thing. He's written some books and, uh, to help people. Well, he often, he tells me, he often gets calls. He gets calls from a spouse or a friend or whatever and say, hey, can you help me? Can you help me talk to so-and-so, my spouse or my friend or my, my child? Because, you know, they're not in a good place. They're, they're going off, uh, you know, in a direction that's, that's harmful. Their, their attitude, their thinking, their behavior, it's out of control. Can you help me? And so, you know, oftentimes he, he say, okay, yeah. But you know what he was doing? He, he'll set up these, what, interventions, Right? where they have hard conversations. And I think in some ways, the Spirit of God is that kind of interventionist. The Spirit intervenes, reminds us. Now, if you go back to John, John chapter 16, again, Jesus is reminding them, look, I'm going away. I want to read just a couple of verses around John 16, 8, but uh, in verse 7 it says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the one sent to help, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, in verse 8 it says this, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Let's just stop right there, Okay. Because my mind goes in weird places when I hear that. Now, part of it is, you know, we hear this idea of, wow, great. The Spirit convicts. The Spirit convicts the world. Man, I know some people, they need some convicting. Right? I mean, that's where I go the first thing. They need some convicting. In fact, I've said things like, yeah, the world is going to H in a handbasket, right? How many of you have said that? I've said that. I don't think that's what Jesus was meaning by that, by the way. 
Go back with me to an Old Testament prophet. His name is Jonah. Okay? It's a little story in the Old Testament. It's four chapters long. It'll take you 10 minutes to read. It's an amazing little story. God comes to Jonah and said, Jonah, I've got an assignment for you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to testify about me. I want you to tell those people about me. And Jonah's like, there's no way I'm doing that. Those people are bad people. So what does he do? <laughs> he gets on a boat the opposite direction from Nineveh. He says, I'm, I'm getting out of here. I'm out. And then what happens? The storm comes, and Jonah's being sort of convicted by the Spirit, I, can, I'm, I believe, and he's like, hey, I'm the problem. So they throw him overboard, and he's swallowed up by a fish. And then he has a come-to-Jesus moment in the fish. Now, I think all of us would have a come-to-Jesus moment, right? In the belly of a fish. And he's going, okay, God, whatever you say. He gets spit up, and he goes to Nineveh, right? This is what he does. He goes to Nineveh, and he proclaims, testifies about God, and says, calls for their repentance. They turn back to God. Or there's going to be judgment. Turn back. And what happens? Revival breaks out. I mean, it's like the people turn back to God. But what happens in Jonah? He's mad. He's angry. It's like, God, why would you do that? Why would you rescue them? That's where I wonder sometimes if, if we, when we read verses like this in John chapter 16, we think, yeah, the Holy Spirit has this convicting effect. It, for the world, it, it shows us. And maybe what we really want is not just conviction, we want condemnation. We want a pound of flesh. Here's what I think Jesus is saying. Look, two things. That's not your job. That's not your job. Don't defend me. The Spirit will convict. In fact, it's only the Spirit of God that can change a human heart. So guess what? That frees you up. That frees me up. What we get to do is all the fun stuff. We get to love. We get to be kind. We get to testify about the good news and the grace of God in our life and not worry about everyone else. We get to allow God to do His work. You know what? And I'm convinced we've got to do this right in the church. We've got to stop condemning one another. First. So, oh, they need, they need some convicting over there. Maybe not. Where does conviction begin? It begins in us. With me. In fact, the Apostle Paul, again, going back, let me see if I can find my notes here. It's actually 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 11. It simply says this, he's reminding them of where they've been. Do you not know? that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
And then he lists a whole bunch of things. And then he says, and that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So, the Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit purifies, sanctifies. Go back to my friend who's the interventionist. I've been in a group with him with uh, three other guys for about a year and a half, and uh, he's been leading us through the 12 steps. I've never done the 12 steps before, and a couple of us had never done the 12 steps. We're, we're not in that world, so, so to speak, because it's so sort of typically connected with this chemical addiction. The 12 steps have nothing to do with chemical addiction. It has to do with transformation. It has to do about getting honest with yourself and honest with God and honest with others. That's what it has to do with. And it has been an amazing journey. And I tell you what, God has been doing his work on me. He's been doing some chiseling. That's where it has to begin. In fact, am I open to the idea that the Spirit might want to change my attitude, might want to change my direction, might want to change how I'm living my life? That's really the question. The Spirit convicts, the Spirit purifies. The Spirit also intervenes in another way, and this is something I want you to hear as well. Especially for those of you who are here today and you're, you're really broken or you're at a hard place. I want you to hear this. The Spirit intervenes in this way. In Romans chapter 8, again, the Apostle Paul just understood the Spirit of God. He says, in the Spirit, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So here you have it. You know, the Spirit reveals things to us about who we are, who God is. Then he he reveals things about us that we need to bring back to him. In that moment, it's like the grace of God comes. But he's also, when we're in moments where we don't have any words to say, he intervenes for us before the Father. He says, this is my child. This is the one I love. Be with them. They're hurting. They're broken. You have an advocate. One sent to help. I don't know. If you live life long enough, you know those moments. You've been there right? Where you just don't have words to say. But the Spirit of God intervenes and says, I'll speak for you. Trust me. The Spirit of God reveals, the Spirit of God intervenes. I would say the Spirit of God also empowers. Empowers. So let me go back. I want to read 
a verse from Acts chapter 1. Again, context creates meaning. So Jesus' disciples after his death, what were they? They were a bunch of ordinary people huddled. They were afraid for their lives. They didn't know what to do. They were just like, oh, what do we do now? Simple, ordinary people, afraid. And then Jesus rises from the dead, and, and he's with them for a little while. He's, he's speaking to them again, and he's sharing these things. And, and in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he simply says this, look, go to Jerusalem, and there you will receive power when the Holy Spirit, power, dunamis, dynamite, do we get the word dynamite out of power? You get dynamite. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I'm going to give you power. In fact, that's exactly what happens. These ordinary, simple believers, these, they're trusting in Jesus. They, they, they're simply being led by the Spirit of God, and they do crazy things. I mean, you read the book of Acts, it's like they did courageous things, they did risky things. But as they were walking with the Spirit, when they were being led by the Spirit, I don't think they ever saw it as risky. They just said, well, we're doing the next thing that God is asking us to do. We're just going to go out and do what He asks us to do. Why? Because He gives us power to do it. And He did. They did signs and wonders. There were miraculous events. They cast out demons. They, they healed the lame. And Jesus even said, you will do even greater things than me. That's an incredible thing to think about. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, this is a reminder again, the Apostle Paul, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. He empowers us. He empowers us to do His work and to live the way He wants us to live. And He's gifted us uniquely. One last thing, and then I need to wrap up. But not only does He empower us to do His mission and His ministry, He empowers us when we face opposition spiritual opposition, which they did all over the place. If you read the book of Acts, you read those early Christians, these simple, ordinary people who trusted God, who believed that, that God would lead them, who believed that, they, that God would give them power to do what they were being asked to do. They simply walked in that way. But there was opposition. Again, the, the Apostle Paul, in Ephesians chapter 6, he has some great words, but he says, Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And then he goes on in this, this verse. It says, in, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So God empowers us for mission and ministry. God is with us when we face opposition. What does the Spirit do? He reveals, He intervenes, He empowers. 
How is it that we experience that? Well, here's my encouragement as we kind of wrap up. Is there a nudging that you're sensing? Is there a thought that comes to mind? Is there something that you need to bring to God and to others? Is there a step you need to take? Do you need to speak something into existence? I don't know. What if you trusted that that was a nudging of the Spirit of God? What would that mean? (laughs) How about we do that? Let's pray together. Father, thank You that You sent the Advocate, the one who is to help, to help us know who we are, to help us to know who You are, to help us live a life of fullness, of joy, of freedom, and to live a life of purpose and power. Lord, speak to us now, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.